you would go ahead and, and be seated. We are, we're, we're, we're going to focus on Jesus Christ every Sunday, as we always do. And, and as we do, we're going to, to understand what he's done that has really changed everything. Now, now many of us have known Christ for a while, and, and so we, we, we sort of get it. But I'm not sure that we understand the full scope of, of his kingship, and, and certainly not in full scope his kingdom. The kingdom of God has come because Jesus Christ has come, and his coming has changed everything. Now, now I say that also realizing that the, the, the world, if, if anything, it's getting worse. It's gotten worse. Uh, we, we see the world around us, and we see the, the, the darkness and the pain and the suffering, and it seems to be increasing all the more. And, and what we need to understand that that is true, but apart from, from Christ, it would be far worse. And because Christ has come, even in the midst of all the pain and turmoil and difficulty, there's hope. There's a living hope. There's joy. There's life. There's love. The best things that, that, that God gives. And they come in his kingdom. And, and what I want to encourage you to really process today is to what kingdom you're a part of. What we're going to see and what scripture reveals is that, that God has come. And in the coming of Christ, in the coming of his kingdom, he came and he's still coming into the world. If you're a Christian today, understand, you, Christ has come into your life, and, and you're fully saved. And, and all the eternal blessings that come in Christ Jesus are yours, but they're still coming into fruition. They're still coming into further reality because you and I, so long as that we're alive on this fallen planet, in this fallen flesh, there's still gonna be parts of our life that, that need to be overcome by Christ. So yes, we're Christians. Yes, the kingdom has come in us and to us, but it's still coming in fulfillment. And so it is in the world. The kingdom has come, but the kingdom is still coming into full reality. And, and that's what we're gonna seek to understand this year. What I wanna do this morning is give you an overview. An overview of the understanding of the kingdom of God as scripture outlines it. We're going to have a lot of scripture today. So your, your eyes are going to probably be on that screen quite a bit. And I hope you've got stuff to take notes with. If not, no worries. We're going to post a lot of this on Facebook later today. Again, the goal is for us to get a sense of the kingdom of God. Next week, we're going, to, we're going to begin to study the prayer of the kingdom. We're going to study the, the Lord's prayer. And all of it will be built on, each series will be built on really what we're going to see today, which is this truth of the power of the kingdom of God that has come into the world and is still on the move and will one day finally be fulfilled. Now, first we need to understand what is the kingdom of God. Here's a definition that you're going to hear eh, maybe a hundred times this year, okay? Here it is, the kingdom of God is the governing authority of Jesus over powers, people, and places for God's praise according to the scriptures. Now we're going to leave that up. The governing authority of Jesus. This is God's sovereign rule that liberates people and creation from the punishment and destructive influence of sin. Powers. Now this authority is over powers. These are both physical in creation and supernatural in the heavenly realm. It's over people. 
We are the image bearers of God. We were made to steward creation, made in the image of God, to, to, to live under his authority, but we revolted. Now, one day, one day every person that has ever been conceived will stand before God and give an account for our life. And, and there will be those of us who will gladly kneel before the King of kings and Lord of lords. We will be happy to do it just as we are now. But there will be others who will kneel before Christ, but they will not be happy to do it just as now they are not happy to do it. And, and as the image bearers of God, as people, Christ is going to reign supreme over all. It will just be a different experience. And notice places. It's over places. All that is made is God's, but because of humanity's sin and because of the dominion that we were given to give oversight to the creation and, and, and to, to rule over it and to, and to bring about God's design for it because we messed it up, well, there's a lot of pain and problems, but God in his kingdom rule is gonna one day again make all things new. Now, this is all for God's praise. Now, realize that all that is done is always to the praise of his great name. It is not about us. If your life is all about you, you are a miserable person. Because in and of yourself, you don't have full understanding of all that's going on in the world. You don't have a, a right desire to, to, to really be able to process what it is you want or what it is you're doing. And because of that darkness that reigns, you're just going to mess it up. But if the light of the light of the world has come into your life, there is a truth and a hope that is, that is enabled by your faith to guide you to where God wants you. And this, this authority is all of it is for God's praise. When you're living for the praise of God, you find peace in your soul. When you're living for your praise, your power, your pleasure, your, your possessions, you're miserable. Christ has come to set us free and, and to give rulership over all for his praise and in his praise, our blessing. And it's all according to the scriptures. The Bible from beginning to end is about the goodness and the greatness of God and what he has promised to do and what he's going to do. And what we need to realize and the way I want to encourage you to really process the scripture this year is to realize there are really three kingdoms that are at work. Three kingdoms that are at work in our world. The first, of course, is the kingdom of God, which is under Jesus. Now, the, the prophet Isaiah told of Jesus and the kingdom of God, Isaiah 9, 6, 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, Jesus said that when he came, he came to bring that kingdom and he has brought the kingdom near. Mark chapter one, verse 14. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, look at this. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. When Christ came, he brought the kingdom. And the only way that we can enter into that kingdom is through the gospel, through, through our faith in what God has done in Christ Jesus. 
Now, Revelation tells us that the coming reign of Jesus over the kingdom of God, that everything will change and it will become what God intended it to be. Revelation 21, 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom that was promised. It is the kingdom that has come in Jesus Christ. And it is the kingdom that will finally and fully rule over all things. That's the first and the foremost, the kingdom of God. But there is a second kingdom. And it's a kingdom that was, that was caused to be by God himself. And it is the kingdom of humanity. It's the kingdom that, that we are in. It's under us. God gave oversight of creation to Adam and Eve and therefore to us. It says in Genesis 1:28, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we were given kingdom rule over creation. So God's kingdom created the kingdom of humanity, made it his image to bring him praise and glory. But did we do it? No. We failed. And we sinned against God. And we turned against God. And now it's our natural inclination to turn against God. But God still loves us. And that love was, was, was made manifest even to Adam and Eve. Even in that moment of sin, in that dark day. Remember what Jesus, what, what God did. God the Father did pointing to Jesus in Genesis 3.21. It says, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Think about what happened. There was bloodshed that paid for the penalty of their sin. And then their shame was covered. This is what God does for sinners. He is willing to pay for our sins so that we are free from, from the punishment we deserve, which is death. And so death was placed on another to forgive us so that we could then be covered in Christ. But not everybody wants that. So we, we can't get out of the first few chapters and we see someone already rejecting this great gift of love given by God. So Adam and Eve, they have children and they have Cain and Abel. And what we see already is the, is the downfall of the kingdom of, of humanity and, and what happens when we are left to ourselves and we reject God. It says in Genesis 4, beginning in verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their por fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, there are those who, some who want to say, well, it's because, uh, of course, because Abel's offering was a blood sacrifice and Cain's was, was, was that of the, of, the, of, the, of the fruits of the ground. That's not true. If you read the Levitical Law Code, God accepts not only blood sacrifices, but other offerings of, of wheat and, and of things grown from the ground. That wasn't the problem. Here's the problem. Here's always the problem. The problem was the heart. Cain wanted to come to God on Cain's terms. Cain wanted to tell God how he was going to live. 
Cain wanted to tell God how he was going to be religious and how he was going to function on this planet. And there was going to be no dominion over him, that he was going to be in control. While, while, while Abel, with, with, with his parents, said, God, we're wrong and we're sorry. And we want, we want to serve you. We, we want to honor you. Cain wanted none of that. And so what happened? So verse five, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, and again, calling him to repentance. Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you, if you do what, what is right, which is come under my leadership, come under my love, receive my grace. Won't, won't, won't there be a blessing? And if you do not, well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but, but you must rule over it. Look what happened in verse 8. God just spoke to the man. He said, come on, man. Wake up. Come under my love. Come under my leadership. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. The devil came to steal and kill and destroy and this is what humanity does when it's left to itself. It steals, it kills, and it destroys. That's what the kingdom of humanity has come to. And, and all who, who, who live under this, this darkness, this broken kingdom of humanity, without the presence of God, it's a terrible judgment. Revelation 6.15, Then the kings of the earth, of the great ones and of the generals, and, and the rich and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. Look at this. From the wrath of the lamb. The lambs are not, this is, this is paradoxical. This, is, this shows us the very, the very person of Christ, who is the lamb who was slain to take away the sins of the world, but who is coming in judgment and his wrath is sure and it is great. And the great day of, the, of their wrath has come, and who can stand? But for those who repent and believe, for those who, who want the kingdom of God and want to live under the leadership of Jesus, Revelation 22, 3, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, just as we do now. With a glad heart, those who are under the authority of Jesus will worship him gladly now and forevermore. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will, they will need no light or, or of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Friends, there is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of humanity that has been broken, that, that is now accursed, but can be saved. And what will it be saved from? It will be saved from the doom and the destruction of the third kingdom. And the third kingdom is the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness, which is now under the devil. The devil sought to take over heaven. The devil is an angel, was an angel, and became a demon. Having desired to be over God, this, this angel with great power, created a war in heaven. We read about it in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Now war arose in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the, the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And so now what we have in our world, these, these dark forces, this darkness, this evil has been thrown down into creation. And this darkness, having deceived Adam and Eve, is now having dominion over humanity by nature. The devil now rules the domain of darkness. But Christ has come. Colossians 1.13, he, that is God the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So there is a kingdom. It is a kingdom of darkness and there is great power in it. It is short-lived, but it is powerful. And there are those who are in the kingdom of humanity that are living in and will remain forever in the kingdom of darkness. But there are some who are rescued. There are some who are set free to live in and under the kingdom of God. Now, those who, those who choose to live under the authority of the kingdom of darkness, they will experience the destruction, the destruction that comes with the devil. Revelation 20.10, And the dev devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So understand, three kingdoms. The kingdom of God. And then the kingdom of humanity. And then under is the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness is now holding sway and pulling us down into the eternal death and darkness that is hell. But Christ has come. And the king has announced that the kingdom of God is near. And he's saying, trust me, love me, believe in me, follow me, and, and you will be raised up. So right now, we in the kingdom of humanity, we are by nature at odds with God, but we can be saved and we can enter into the kingdom of God. Understand and remember, human beings are born under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. But Jesus rescues people in order to free them to live in the kingdom of God. Picture it this way. The kingdom of God is sovereign over all and great and glorious and loving and light and peace and joy. And beneath there is the kingdom of darkness. And it kills and it steals and it destroys and it sickens and it lies and it deceives and it destroys. And in the, in the middle is us, the kingdom of humanity. And each one of us must choose. Will we live and serve the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness? Right now, as it stands in, in, in natural sense, the kingdom of humanity is lost. The kingdom of humanity stands in opposition to God. And so there is a distinction in Scripture. The distinction is really between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of humanity. The kingdom of darkness, it is what it is. It will not be changed. 
The kingdom of darkness is already condemned. At this point, the devil knows his time is, is short and he's going to do everything he can to get as many of us destroyed with him as possible. And so by nature, that's where we stand. But there is the kingdom of God that has come that can set us free. And what we have to choose is which kingdom we will serve. Will we serve the kingdom of God or will we serve the kingdom of humanity? Remember, the kingdom of humanity is under the dominion of darkness by nature. There has to be a choice made to be freed from that kingdom of darkness. And so what the Bible does from Genesis to Revelation, it shows the distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of humanity by speaking of two cities, the city of God and the city of man, the city of humanity. And so picture it like in our modern language. We do this as well. We, we allow kingdoms or nations to be represented by a single city. So when you read or hear of a, a national news report that says, Washington is saying that so-and-so is happening. What they're saying is that city, Washington, which is the representation of the power of our country, is speaking for the whole nation. So when they, you know, when they hear Moscow is saying, what they're saying there is, is that the kingdom of, of, of Russia is now being, is now making a statement. If, if you hear Beijing, Beijing is saying this. Well, we know that represents, that represents China. In the Bible, there are two cities. One that represents the kingdom of God and the other one that represents the kingdom of humanity and in its fallen sense. And that's what I want us to look at a little bit more closely. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, I want to compare and contrast these two cities and then challenge you to think through where your citizenship is and how it is and what it is you're living for. Let's go to two scriptures, all right? The first one is Psalm 87. Psalm 87. And the second one is Genesis 11. So hold your finger in Psalm 87, and then find Genesis 11 and hold your finger there and do two things at once. Stand now as you're doing that, as, as Colby comes for the reading of God's word. So we're going we're gonna to really dig in here for just a few minutes into these two cities, contrast them, and then be challenged with how we're going to live. All right, go ahead and read from, Psalm, from the Psalm first, Psalm 87. On the holy mount stand the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Okay, so the city of God. This is a blessed place. All right, now let's go to Genesis 11. Genesis 11 is the city of man. Babel. Babylon. Tell us, about, read for us Genesis 11, 4. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Be seated and pray for now. The, the preaching, uh, continued preaching of the word. And so let's look at Psalm 87 first. Psalm 87 speaks of the city of God. This is Jerusalem. Now you'll find in scripture, it goes by many names. It goes by the, the name, the city of David, 
by the holy city, by Salem, which means peace. This is where Melchizedek was king. This is where um, Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. This is where Jesus Christ was, was crucified and raised. This is where the Holy Spirit of God came down first time to, to bring about the, the power of God and the peace of God through his kingdom. This is the beloved place. Remember, this is, look at verse 2 of, of Psalm 80. This place is loved by God. This is, this is why when Jesus saw Jerusalem and he wept, he wept and he said, oh, how I have sought to bring you to myself, but you continue to kill my prophets. You continue to reject me over. And Jesus is weeping because he loves this city. He wants this space. He wants this people. And, and look at verse three. Realize that this is a space that is praised because of, because of its connection to God. It receives praise and honor for all that has been done and will be done there. It is the city of God where God has chosen to manifest his glory. Now, it's, it's very unique. It, it is, it's a place that has God's divine favor. It is the place where salvation has been, been provided and, and where hope to the entire world comes. It is the place where God united all nations and languages and undid the curse, the curse that, that, that the city of man caused. Now, what is that curse? Let's go now to Genesis 11. In Genesis 11, what we see here is the outcome of the effects of, of darkness, of, of the pain, of the brokenness of humanity. In Genesis 11, we see the reverse of what God called humanity to do. If you'll remember, God said to humanity, I want you to multiply, I want you to spread out, and I want you to cover the whole world. Well, Nimrod is the, is the power. He is what, what is noted as the first of the warriors, the, the first to be recognized as a great hunter. And, and what Nimrod decided to do was to go against God. He said, no, 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 we're not going to be dispersed. He said, as a matter of fact, I want to centralize power. We're going to build a city. And that city is going to be under my authority. And, and, and everyone who comes, you're going to have peace. You're going to have everything you want. Everything's going to be great so long as you do what I say when I say it. And so what you have is this power, this darkness, this broken human being who wants power, pleasure, popularity, and possessions. The four Ps of all idolatry. And he's promising it to the rest of the world. All humanity, come under my authority and I'll give you all that you want. Now we got to build a city and lest we be dispersed. And what's he want? He wants them under his control. And he says, we got to build this city and it's got to be over the heavens. What's he trying to do? He tried to build an authority that would be over God. He wanted to be in God's place. Does that remind you exactly what the devil did? 
The devil wanted to be over heaven. The devil wanted authority. And so we know what is pushing Nimrod. We know what is pushing all human beings that are separated from, from, from God without Christ is a desire for power, pleasure, popularity, and possessions. It is a desire that will cause them to lie and to steal and to kill and to destroy. Friends, never underestimate what you would be willing to do for love. You say, well, 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 love? Yes. Nimrod loved power. He loved pleasure, popularity, possessions. And, and he may have even told him, told himself, well, this is for my children. Uh, this is for other people so that, so that everyone can have peace and there won't be any war in the world so long as they're under mind. He may have convinced himself it was a good thing, but make no mistake about it. Human beings left to themselves lie and kill and destroy. And that's what was happening in this world. God saw it. And so what did he do? He stopped it. Mercifully, he stopped it. And here's how he stopped it. He created different languages. He created, in so doing, a dispersion of the people of, of, of the planet so that they were segregated culturally by language and, and later geographically. And because of the natural sin nature that we have and the fear of losing power, pleasure, popularity, possessions, that's why we fight each other. That's why we criticize each other. That's why we attack each other. That's why there is war. That's why there is sickness. That's why there is so much pain. Because apart from God, we are destructive creatures. And all of that under the influence of the kingdom of darkness that is now reigning. But God... <laughs> But God has come, and in the coming of Christ is his kingdom. And his kingdom has come to bring light and life and love. And friends, we all have to choose. Will we choose to, to give up and to surrender allegiance to the darkness and, and, to, and to turn to Jesus Christ? And instead of trusting in what the world and any created thing can give, will we choose to live by faith? in what our creator God has provided in Jesus Christ. I want to convince you this morning that you should. If you haven't already, I want to convince you that you need to do this. If you, if you have, I want to convince you to, to hold firm. There is a distinction between the two. The first is this. The kingdom of God gives living hope. The kingdom of God gives living hope. But the kingdom of humanity gives dying hope. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, it speaks of this, this living hope that comes through the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's what we have and it's what we are. We have living hope. It will never fail or fade or be destroyed. And it's what we are. We are living hope. We're living out who Christ is in the world. But the kingdom of humanity gives dying hope. Isaiah 66, 24, this is terrifying. This is absolutely terrifying. What this is describing is after judgment, after the return of Christ, the two cities and what they will experience. Specifically, what the city of humanity trapped in darkness will experience. And they, that's speaking of the, the members of the citizens of the kingdom of God, they will go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. That is God for their worms shall not die. Their physical ailments will continue forever. 
sickness of physical body. The fire shall not be quenched. They will constantly desire for more and never have it. They will constantly know what they, what they can never have. And they will be miserable and they will be angry and they will scream out and they will cry out against God because they hate him because of what's happening to them because they've been destroyed and deserted and they are under the wrath of God. And they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. The disgustingness of their bodies, of their minds, of their emotions, everything will be revealed and it will be awful. Friends, this is the outcome of the city of humanity under the darkness of the devil. God provides living hope. Humanity in the darkness, dying hope. The kingdom of God, secondly, produces life and light. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. But the kingdom of humanity produces death and darkness. For as by a man came death, and that death is, is ignorant. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. There's nothing steady. There's nothing certain. There's nothing good. There's nothing pure. There's nothing trustworthy. It's, it's, it's as though we're walking about, we're groping in darkness. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God serves what is true. There is a truth that is given in love. Rather speaking the truth in love, friends, remember, Without love, truth is a weapon. And without truth, love is a license. We need truth and love. And that's what Jesus Christ has brought. The kingdom of God brings truth and love. And they are in harmony, harmony together. But the kingdom of humanity serves what is deceitful. What we're saved from is so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. Because that's what you're left to. You're left to whatever is popular in the culture at any given moment. You're, you're left to your own devices. You're left to what you can create that will give you any kind of comfort. Now understand, the kingdom of God will destroy and overcome the kingdom of humanity. Last, last scripture, and this is, this is I'm, we're going to come back to this Lord willing in Daniel. Why don't you take your Bibles and go to Daniel chapter 2. In the finality of the coming of Christ, him having already come and coming again, there is going to be a destruction that has been promised and prophesied. This prophecy was given to Nebuchadnezzar by Daniel. If you'll remember, Nebuchadnezzar was the king who wanted the big golden statue of himself and for everyone to bow down to it. Again, it's the same city, Babylon, Babel, at the beginning, it's Nimrod. Now it's Nebuchadnezzar. There's always someone who's promising everyone everything they want if they'll just give them power. If they'll just do what they say. He has a dream and no one can interpret it, but Daniel can. And, and the interpretation is given in Daniel chapter 2, verse 34. Daniel said, as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. 
Daniel was describing the ultimate reality of what was coming. The city of humanity has already been struck by the stone, not hewn by human hand, not created by humanity, of God. The stone that the builders rejected has become the stumbling stone. This is Jesus Christ. And the stone has come and it has struck the very foundations of the cities of destruction of humanity. And this stone is now filling the whole earth. And one day will fill the whole world with the hope and the happiness and the love and the laughter and the life of God. Are you a citizen of the kingdom of God? Is your future and your life tied to Jesus Christ? Or is your life and your future tied to the city of humanity, which is under the kingdom of darkness? You have to choose. Right now, some of you are under the authority of the city of humanity and darkness. And you, you have no hope. You are lost. Some of you are citizens of the kingdom of God, but let me ask you, what kind of citizen are you? Are you a good citizen? Are you serving the king? Are you giving to him gladly the best parts of your life? Are you living for him? Are you claiming him but living for yourself? Friends, we play games with ourselves, don't we? We are the great, great pretenders. Friends, pretend no more. Be who you've been called to be in Christ Jesus. And if you're playing games with sin, stop. Repent. Give your complete loyalty to Jesus Christ. He is the life. He is the way. He is the truth. Trust Him and reject the lives of, the, the lives of this world. Let me pray for you. Let's stand together. Oh God, so much in such a short time. But Lord, it's true. Your word is true. In Christ you have come. And now I pray, oh God, for any who are here today who are, who are without you, Lord Jesus, who have not been forgiven of their sin, who are not living under your leadership, that today they would be saved. God, I pray for those who are saved. Oh God, that we would understand what is at stake that we would stop toying about with sin and lies and deceit and darkness and, and that we would hate that which kills and, and hope only in what is true and loving and righteous. And that is you, Jesus. Right there where you are, ask a simple question. What kingdom am I a part of? If you know for certain that you are a member of the kingdom of God, thank him, praise him, and right now swear your allegiance to him renewed. If you know, or if you're wondering if you're a kingdom of the, uh, a citizen of the kingdom of darkness, friend, don't leave this place until you have been able to make sure that you've been saved. Father, you are so good. Give us life in the kingdom of God, to the praise of your great name and to the blessing of our own lives. We promise to give the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.